Hello, and welcome back to the Conscious Contact Podcast. My name is Janae, and I'm here with my co-host, Susan. And today, I'm jazzed. We're talking about how recovery changed our relationships with women. I feel like this can be multiple episodes, because I had no relationships with women prior to recovery. Um, I mean, if I did, it was like me either using them or secretly hating them and planning their demise. <laughs> I hated women. Absolutely despised women. Like you know I was, a, I mean, um, they were a threat to me and what I wanted. Um, I felt less than or better than I couldn't control them as easily as men. The list goes on. But I was mm-hmm. a guy's girl and I only had male friends. I mean, for the multitude of reasons I just listed, but also just because that's who I got along with. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I drank like the guys and the girls didn't, they weren't really into that. Um, or I hadn't found the women that were really into that yet. Uh, but yeah. Or if they were, they just got sloppy and I was not going to hold anybody's hair. No. If you can't hang. No. Yeah. And I mean, like, I barely held my own fucking hair, so... Yeah, no, I was not about that. And also, I wanted to be the center of attention. Mm. And if there was another woman there, and that wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. I had all my guy friends. And once a girl gets involved, then they're going to try to be hooking up with her. And it's going to change the dynamic of the group. And it's just going to be annoying. And mm-hmm. it was all of those things. And it just feels gross to think back on now. Because that's just a nasty way to be. Mm-hmm. But I think the core of it all is I was afraid of them. And I didn't trust them. Yeah. Because I'm a woman and I wouldn't trust me. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, that's where oh, it came from. Yeah, that, um, I, and again, as I was, I needed, like, a running start for our, our episode, so I always jot down a few ideas, and I was having trouble putting my finger on it, and I wrote down competitive and wary, mm. but you just nailed it because I was trying to be the center of attention because that's how I perceived I was earning love. Yeah. And anyone else was a threat to that. And I was yeah. trying to get your spot. So why would you not be trying to get my spot? Exactly. I'm a home wrecker. So why wouldn't you be a home wrecker? Like, I, that yeah. is how I live. And I was like, I know me and I know my motives. Right. Why would I not assume that you're the same person? Yeah. Ugh. And, you know, I had burned down so many relationships. See previous episode about quitting. <laughs> yeah. Um, that I remember, so I, there's a group of us that, that became friends in graduate school. And then, you know, we went to graduate school in Illinois and then really dispersed all over the country. And so we got together in Seattle roughly a year after we graduated from Illinois or just left Illinois. Not everybody, um, not everybody's in the same program. Mm. Anyway, so we all left at the same time and then we got back together in Seattle. And I remember saying to them, I just was so... I was really loving it because I was like, I didn't know if we were going to be friends still. Like, I didn't know if you guys were still going to like me. Mm. Like, I didn't, I had never had this, this instance of like, this particular experience together has ended. Like we were all together in the same place that we were actually going to make an effort. Like I Mm. have, I I have a regular relationship with one person from high school. Mm. I don't go to reunions. Yeah. My undergraduate friends, like these are teammates that we were together 20 hours a day sometimes for those four years. Mm. And I don't really 
con- I, I have a text occasionally, maybe three times a year with one of them. Yeah. Yeah. No, I had a similar experience. Like I, I talked to no one from high school. And I mean, let yeah. me be very clear. If anyone from high school is watching this video, I know that that's my fault. Exactly. Yes. One, I yes, moved yes, around yes. so much. Like I went, I think it was either seven or eight different high schools. I was always a new girl. Once I would alienate myself mm. or ruin my reputation in one school, I would move to a different one. Mm-hmm. And I tore down all of those relationships. I wasn't able to be a good friend either. Yeah. It's not an excuse, but because of my alcoholism, I, I couldn't even start from the beginning as a good friend. Right. It just was not a capability of mine at that point. Mm-hmm. So I blame them 0% for not wanting to be friends with me. Um, yeah, that's a good clarification. <laughs> yeah, yep. and I didn't go to uh, college. I went to GTCC and got a certificate in something. Um, <laughs> and, you know, all the friends from when I was drinking, the only friends that I had towards the end were people that drank like me. Mm-hmm. So I know that those relationships were not going to exist without the alcohol in place. So I, I think I talked to one person from that period of my life, mm-hmm. um, and she's amazing. If she's listening, I'm sure she knows who she is. <laughs> but we didn't talk for a long time because of my shit. And then we reconnected because Luke is friends with her husband, who I also know. And then we you know, just kind of started hanging out together again a couple of years ago, and that's been great. But, I mean, it's not – I have nobody else. So, like, I've known Luke the longest out of everyone other than my family. Mm-hmm. I've known him since I was 18, and that's the longest, like, friend, him and his friends. Like, that's the longest relationships that I've had. And they're mm-hmm. all men. Yeah. <laughs> Shocker. Yeah. Well, especially what you what you said about um, men are easier to manipulate. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that was such a, no offense. an ugly truth yeah. to feel also <laughs> uh, once I admitted it. So what was it like coming into sobriety? Because I have a very distinct memory of mm. um, like the whole concept of women's only meetings. Yep. I was like, well, I want no part of that. Oh, see, we're so opposite. It's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the counselor I was seeing at the time, and I knew this because, you know, I'd seen after school specials, yeah. but you had to get a sponsor. Uh-huh. And she was like, and your sponsor will have be to be a woman. a woman. Yeah. Because you're a woman. Yeah. And I was like, what? I also want no part of that. <laughs> um, but clearly what I was doing wasn't working. Yeah. So I was willing to take suggestions. And um, I just remember being like, Ugh. Mm. Yeah, I had a little bit of that. Um, but I, I have outside issues next to my alcoholism so going to mixed meetings were like not they didn't make me feel super safe like I wasn't triggered or anything but it wasn't something that was like comfortable for me Mm -hmm. I have issues with men and not their fault at all has everything to do with me but it wasn't a place where I felt really safe Mm -hmm. um and especially not as I got kind of further into my recovery and I started sharing and and that kind of stuff But at the beginning, it was like, I didn't really, I didn't know these women. I didn't really trust these women. I didn't trust myself. Like everything was all over the place, but they spoke and their life was okay. And mine was not. Mm -hmm. So I was willing to listen to what they had to say. And the more I got to know them, the more that I saw they weren't full of shit. 
(laughs) And they weren't just talking the talk. They were doing the damn thing. Yeah. And I noticed those differences really early on. I think that helped me to -hmm. be able to like cling to people who had like real advice from lived experience for me and not just advice from the ether. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's very helpful just in life in general. Like lived experience is much more helpful than you waxing poetic about an idea that you really like, you know. Right. But it's, I glommed onto that and realized that I could trust them just through the time that passed (laughs) and nothing bad happened. And I was also not drinking or trying to manipulate them. Yeah. Not in any conscious way anymore at that point. Um, But yeah, I had some bristling at first and I was like, they don't know the fuck they're talking about and I'm okay. And they're the ones that are crazy. And Mm -hmm. there was a good bit of that at the beginning, but I, I really started being around a group of women who were very frank and honest and it was real. And they asked me questions about myself and actually cared what my answer was. Yeah. And I, you said something related to that at the beginning of, of what you just said, something about the women in those meetings were very real. Yeah, yeah. And I'm wondering if that's why I avoided it. Like, if they're Ooh. that real and they want to hear what I have to say. Yeah. Oh, I can't do that. Yeah. I can't do that. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I think you make a good point with I that. I feel like there's more to say about that that I that is like somehow stuck so that we may come back around to that. Yeah. But I want to ask about this idea of early. So when they are sharing and they ask you questions and want to hear, like how long was it before you felt kind of that melting of the outside shield and you mm. did share? Weeks, months? Months, point? months for sure. Um, I just, I wanted to learn. And I mean, that's how I've been before and after recovery. Like, I really just do like to learn. Like, mm-hmm. I, whatever it is, it's just yep. fun. Information is fun to me. And I had nothing to say for a really long, like, I had zero to say. <laughs> did I, you really have zero to say? Or did oh, you 100%. feel like you had zero to oh, say? Oh, no, I had zero to say. I had nothing. Like, not that, like, my brain was empty and I was in, like, there was a little bit of that fog coming in and, like, mm-hmm. mild detoxing and all of that. Uh, but I, like, I had nothing to offer anyone else. And my viewpoint of sharing in meetings is the newcomer in mind. And I was a newcomer. I was just trying to listen to what everyone else had to say. Mm-hmm. And I, there was nothing that I was going to share that would help anybody. <laughs> like, anything I wanted to share was going to be complaining or frustration which there's a time and a place for that with my sponsor Mm -hmm. but I there was nothing that I had to say that was worth more than what I was going to learn by listening to them Mm. it was probably six five or six months honestly that I actually shared with any conviction or like felt moved to share because I do think that is the fine line like that's where it shifted Mm -hmm. I believe that my higher power did start saying like I would get urges like hey you need to share that Mm-hmm. Where before I would never, I didn't feel that way at all. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, that's really different from my experience where I, from day one, I was just, this is what I'm struggling with, with sobriety. Mm. So December 1st is my sobriety date and all of the holidays yeah. come right on the heels of that, yeah. including 
extended family celebrations, my husband's birthday and both my kids' birthday, which the kids' birthdays, we have a blended family, so mm. it is all of us going out to dinner. Yeah. Um. Well, at the time, you know, when they were kids. Um. Now that they're adults, we don't. But I had zero idea of how the hell I was supposed to get through X, Y, and Z and travel and this and that. Yeah. And those are sorts of the, the practical things that I was struggling with. Mm-hmm. And the meeting that I was going to at this particular time would call you know, anybody having trouble with their sobriety or their oh, serenity. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So these weren't necessarily, um, focused on any of the staying in the solution, staying in the literature, things yeah, like yeah. that. And I was so grateful for the meetings that we're asking who is struggling because like I'm sitting there on a couch crying before the meeting starts and someone's like, it seems like there might be something we need to talk about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I could blurt that cause I felt like I did have a lot to share, mm-hmm. but what I had to share was all like pain and tears. Yeah. Yeah. That I had stuffed for so long. A hundred percent. And I, found the ability to share that early Mm. and then I did find those women in the group because I really specifically want us to focus on the relationship changing with women yes yeah because I think we both feel strongly about that Mm -hmm. and when I was able when they when I I always knew that they actually wanted to hear what I had to say and when I finally felt brave enough to share what I actually felt, like not like, oh, how do I not drink when I go to dinner with my husband's ex-wife? Yeah, yeah. It was because I feel less than because I'm the only person drinking. I'm zero fun. The waiter hates me uh-huh, uh-huh. because I'm cutting into like all of and that stems from this and that stems from that. And this is what it's bringing up. Yeah. And I don't know if this is the experience that you had, but the deafening silence as people heard what I was feeling, not just heard what I was saying. Yeah. Was the game changer with these women. Yeah. Yeah. My, I had just a slightly different experience with that because in meetings, I went to a lot of like heavy, heavy literature meetings too. Mm-hmm. Um, my sharing of my feelings and my struggles and all of that would happen before or after the meeting mm-hmm. or when I was meeting with my sponsors. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have more than one at a time, but I've, I've just had more right. than one. And that is when I really like the dinner before the meeting or the coffee after or whatever. That's when I really like dove into those relationships and talked about feelings and like how do you deal with this shit Mm. um and I got I was very lucky I got globbed onto when I first got there and got pulled into this group of ladies um and they were all you know around my age and and we would go out and they would invite me to dinner and coffee and Mm -hmm. hang just hanging out and I think you know I got uh sober on the 10th of October and they invited me to the Halloween party that the district was having and you know it was just a lot of I've I don't want to say I got lucky because I feel like that's what should happen mm-hmm. when a newcomer comes in. But, you know, if we're being real, that's, you know, humans aren't perfect, especially not us. So yeah. that's not always what happens. Um, but yeah, it was the before and the after 
the meetings where I really had those relationships deepen um, and had my feelings heard and them tell me, oh, yeah, we all feel like that. Get over it. Not get over it like a it doesn't matter, but like a you're yeah. not unique, Janae. Yeah. Like your suffering is not the biggest suffering on earth. I needed to hear a lot of that. Mm. Like you're not the worst person in the world. Mm-hmm. Like you can just, you know, lay that down. Yeah. And that's the humility <laughs> that we learn yes. is that you're no better than I am. I'm no better than you are. Yep. And you're, you're no worse right than size. me. I'm no worse than you. Like, yes, that's where I was going. We're yep. all fucked up and we're all here for the same reason. You know, mm-hmm. like not only our alcoholism, but this true deep hole inside of us. <laughs> That we haven't dealt with. Yeah, that we poured all the alcohol into. Yes. And now that that hole is dry. You got to fill it back up with something else. Yeah, it's yeah. still a gaping wound. Yes. And <laughs> healing that. the band-aid on exactly. it. Exactly. Like healing that and packing that full of higher power and step work and relationships with women and all of that. But yeah, it was like, for me, it was the fellowship after. It was the, completely outside of the meetings is where I started to get that. That, I don't know if you saw the light bulb go on over my head. Also, plug for YouTube. Like, if y'all aren't watching. Yes. <laughs> to see Susan learn in real time. Yes. And here, you know, see me cringe about referring to myself in third person. <laughs> you got to do it, though. Um, <laughs> the light bulb. Oh, was the sponsor I had initially, I bet I had more... I'm going to call them appointments, canceled with her dates for coffee, this, that, and the other. Canceled. She canceled on me more than she met with me. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. And then I just, my extreme aversion to social situations kept me from accepting, let's go to dinner, what are you doing after the meeting, et cetera. Yeah. And because I really glommed on to one meeting that was early in the morning and often I was going straight to work. Gotcha. Or I would go during lunch yeah. and then go back to work. So yeah. I had my built-in excuse, right? Yeah. But now the woman that I'm working with, that, that is my sponsor, she, I will go to her house and have that. Yeah. Blah. And yeah. Yeah. like, I, sh- I will sit down and she will say, how are you? And pick up the Kleenex box because yes. I've already started crying. And I think that that is so, that is the difference. And That's I, right. I, and now I, I'm attract, very attracted to the solution-based meetings. Yeah. That's where I was ending up. Dude, yeah. It's And, like, the big change was realizing that these women were asking me how I'm doing and meaning it. Yep. They don't want to hear I'm fine. They don't want to hear I'm all right. And if I say I'm all right, I better be ready to have a conversation. That's usually when she will pick up the Kleenex box. Yeah. Like, okay, what's going on? Yep. Yeah. Because it's uh, stuffed so far down uh-huh. that is coming up like whatever volcano exploded in Iceland. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> it's it's rough. And these women wanted that. Like, they wanted the rough. They yes. knew how important that was. It wasn't superficial female relationships where you go get brunch together. <laughs> It was like, let's fucking hash this out and both be either in tears or on the verge of tears because we're talking about something so powerful or painful or wonderful, you know, all of those things. (laughs) And, And it was so genuine. Yes. And it's just so different. I mean, one, the subject matter that I talk about with these women is vastly different than 
pre-recovery. And I mean, that's just par for the course. Mm -hmm. But truly what you said, like she asks you how you are and then is prepared for you to actually tell her how you are and isn't just waiting to speak and isn't just waiting to say, oh, well, you think you've had a hard week? Let me tell you about mine. Like, yeah, I want to vomit just thinking about that. I hate that. Like um, my palms are sweating thinking ugh, about that. Right when people do that and I hear it, like if I'm on the outside, the tertiary end of that conversation, I want to shake them, yeah. you know, like, no. I shut down so fast. Yeah. Yeah. And giving that quiet space, like not rushing in. And again, that's the other thing. The difference in this this female dynamic in these relationships with women is they weren't listening to me to then give advice. Mm-hmm. They were listening to me. And a lot of the times they would say, that sounds really hard. Let's see what the book has to say about it. Or that sounds hard. Here's what I did when I was in a similar situation. It yes. wasn't advice. Right. It's it was pulling up alongside yes. me to witness the pain. Yes. And share their experience. Yes, exactly. And that is... Yeah. A huge difference from you sharing something and a friend going, yeah, that sounds hard. And then like, that's the end of the conversation or you sharing something and maybe it's about your dude or whatever. Oh yeah, you should leave him, girl. Like, right. Here's the step, three step (sighs) approach to fix it. Yeah. It's, it's saying that is a valid feeling. Yeah. However, that's not reality. Or if we don't want to feel this way anymore, here's how I changed that. Mm-hmm. for myself mm-hmm. and if you want to try that awesome if it doesn't work for you we'll talk about it again like yeah, you let's know talk about what didn't work yes yeah yeah and so I want to take us a little bit broad for a second because there are listeners that are not in a um an addiction recovery program yeah I would like to suggest that most people are recovering from something yes or if they're not, they have someone within a first degree that is related to addiction somehow. Yeah, I agree. So it's it's a first degree of addiction somewhere. Now, sometimes I think the loneliness comes from not having these, and I'm just going to say the women in our lives. Yeah. Because I don't know, I'm not a man and I don't know if they want this. Men say they want these relationships. I don't know. I don't know. We can't speak to that. (laughs) Right. But I know I have talked to enough women that are not in an addiction recovery program that just talk about how lonely they are, how hard it is to find friends. And I think that's because we are connecting on the surface and one-upping each other in an attempt to connect with humor and shared experience. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing that happened to me is only the surface of the experience. The full experience is how I am feeling about that and a little bit what I plan to do about that. Yeah. And, you know, an example is my best friend from high school. And she and I, we kept missing each other with phone calls. And you can't catch up on all that happens in a life in an email or a text message no. or a Voxer or any of that. Why would you want to also? <laughs> well, I, I want to stay in touch. Yes. But at one point we were like, look, let's just pick a weekend 
and we got a hotel room and we literally talked for hours. Yes. Like we sat at a restaurant till the restaurant closed. Yes. We walked till we got to the end of the path and then we walked back and then it was time to check in. And then we walked, we talked, we just sat there and talked. Yeah. In the hotel room until it was time to eat. And then we walked to dinner and got takeout to come back to the room because no one wants to have these conversations. Uh-huh. And now it's not a woman that I met in recovery, but she is part of that because she would be like, well, what do you, how do you feel about that? Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do? And what does this mean? And what is that going to mean for this? Yeah. And having those relationships makes me feel much less alone. Yeah. And I wasn't always able to have those conversations even with her. Like she would ask me, well, how do you feel about that? And I'm like, I just said I was mad. Yeah. <laughs> I think that that stems from our inability to go deep with people. I'm going to speak for myself because I don't know if this yep. is true for you. My inability to go deep with people prior to recovery. It had to be surface level. It had to be because. I'm hiding I'm lying, right. I'm okay. manipulating, I'm all of that. I don't want you to know how crazy I really am. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't want that. you that close to me. Yeah. And I I think that if you're even if you're not in recovery, I mean, that is that was my issue is I was just incapable of having close relationships, period. And that that was a big problem. And I mean, I did have a period of time and I've always struggled because of all the reasons that I listed at the beginning, I've always struggled to keep friends that aren't men. And that's not healthy mm-hmm. for me to to have male friends right now. Like mm-hmm. I have casual friends, Luke and I have mutual male friends, all that, but not like completely separate male friends that I just go chill and spend time with. That's not healthy for me. That's, mm-hmm. I don't care what anybody else does, but for me that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And I struggled, like I had a period of time in recovery. I got in with this group of ladies and one of them ended up being my sponsor and we were hanging out and then I switched sponsors and that group, I didn't really hang out with that group of women anymore. And when I'm transitioning over, it was really hard for me to make friends and I had no friends outside of AA. So I, that was my only avenue to make them right now Mm because in early sobriety, that's all, that's the only place I went outside of the house other than the grocery store was to meetings. Um, and it really was difficult. And I remember crying to Luke, like, I wish I could just make friends because I just kept trying it over and over with people and they would cancel on me time after time mm. after time or just not show up or not mm. answer my phone calls or send me to voicemail or not follow up. And I'm always the one reaching out and I get no reciprocation. You know, mm. I'm walking the walk. I'm trying to trying to show up as the friend that I want to receive back. Right. And, you know, my new sponsor was like, you know, it just takes time and mm-hmm. you have to keep showing up. And I mean, God's got a plan and it'll work out. And it was yeah. so hard. I was so lonely. Like I was surrounded by the women in the program, but I wanted what we are talking about. True, deep friendships that isn't my sponsor. Because sometimes I just need a bitch. And sometimes I don't want to work on it that very moment. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to work on it like a couple hours later. You know what I mean? Like I need to just yeah. complain. And that is a different relationship. Yes. I don't think my, I think my sponsor is my sponsor. I don't think she's my friend. Exactly. Yes. A hundred percent. She would do anything for When my mom died, she said I was going to come drive 10 hours each way yeah. just for the service, yeah. just to show up for me. Yeah. 
it's like she's beyond my friend. Exactly. I th- it's a different level of connection with somebody. Uh-huh. And I wanted just friends. I think this is a perfect spot to pause and talk about today's sponsor, Renew Planner. When I was looking for a paper planner to not only help me plan my life, but to remind me to do the things I know are important in my recovery program, I couldn't find anything. I Googled everything I knew possible. I tried out a whole lot of different planners that were geared for other people. And with the support of my boyfriend, I decided why not try to make one? I knew that if I was looking for it, someone else is probably looking for it too. So I created Renew Planner. It has sections to not only plan your adult life activities, but it's also got reminders for meditation and mindfulness, setting up your own daily routine, your ideal day, journaling, and much more. So if you or someone you know is on a recovery journey or just wants a place to be more organized mentally, head on over to renewplanner.com, R-E-N-E-W planner.com and use the code CC10 for $10 off your first order. Hi, it's Susan from SustainableSue.com. On the Conscious Contact podcast, we talk a lot about below the surface level and what things feel like and what change might mean and how we approach the need to change. And once we decide that something different needs to happen, a lot of times we're frozen. And I've worked with a lot of people, but mainly women, that get stuck on where to start. So what I did is created some resources pull them together in the Sustainable You program. Basically, it's 15 to 20 minute lessons that break down where you could start to begin to live a life you don't need to escape. There's health and fitness, there's mental well-being, there's environmental surroundings, there's habit change. You could take them all together or individually at your own pace. So if that's something that sounds like it might be interesting for you, and now you just want to figure out where to start, head over to sustainablesue.com com slash course and we'll get started today yeah just somebody to go get coffee with or to text cat memes to you know like (laughs) and I had people and you know we would float and then they would drop off the face of the earth or like it happens in recovery they'd go back out and I wouldn't see them again yeah and that that sucks too I mean just in general Mm -hmm. that could be a whole episode but it it was the I mean it was years up until probably two years ago it, it was really difficult. It was a lot of in and out. And then people would, I would start to become friends with them and they'd move to a different state or right. they'd ask me to be their sponsor. Or, and I'm like, no, <laughs> like, yeah. yes, of course. Yes. But like, no. Right. Um, because then that changes the friend dynamic 100%. and now you're not friends with your sponsee. Yes, exactly. Right. And, ah, oh, it, it's wonderful, but it sucked, you know? Right. Um, right. Because but I was, the priority yes. is your sobriety which is reaching out to another person that asks for help yep exactly and I found a friend I guess it was probably about two maybe a little bit over two years ago now and I took it upon myself to say you know like we we were in the same uh like religious organization but I never met her face to face and this was like Mm. COVID times and no one was face to face (laughs) And I saw her on Instagram, like, she looks cool. Like, I feel like we would connect. Yeah. And I reached out to her and I was like, hey, I know this is kind of weird and we're both adults here, but like, I feel like we could be friends and 
if you want to yeah. chill, that would be awesome. And she's like, oh, that's so sweet of you to say. I would love to do that, you know, yada, yada, yada. And now we're really good friends. And mm-hmm. it just, you know, it took time. And now I feel like I do have a good group of ladies. And I've got women in the program that I've been able to to create friendships with. I'm having a podcast with you. I'm having yeah. lunch with somebody later. Like, it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal. And it took it did take a long time. Yeah. And it was hard. Um, like, and I don't want to discourage people by saying that. I want that to give people hope. Like if you're in that stage of your recovery and you're listening to this right now, or if you're not in recovery and you're just living your life and you're like, fuck, I don't have friends and it sucks. Yeah. It does take a lot of effort on your part. And shocker, that's kind of how friendship works. Yes. Did not understand that prior to being in recovery and like learning how to be in any type of relationship with someone Mm -hmm. and yeah I just just have to show up as the friend that I want to have come back to me yeah and like be aware of that and know that you know people are going to come in and it might just be for a short period of time and they're going to teach me something and then they need to leave and it has no bearing on me and it's not Right. A reflection of who I am as a human and they're not rejecting me or I mean, right. maybe they are, but it's not for me to know that. Like, right. Who gives a shit? But that makes it OK. And that's something that I've learned in recovery from these women is that just means that they're not the right person for me. Yeah. And that's OK. You can't be friends with everyone. Right. Like my dance card gets full eventually. Exactly. And yeah. like, I don't have the bandwidth for a lot of surface level friendships like I can't have a lot of acquaintances right that's not I need like three people that I'm really really close with uh-huh and I can handle like two secondary ones of the in-betweens yeah. yeah like that's all I've got that's all I've got yeah. and I go back to that saying all the time like you could be the most perfect ripest juiciest peach in the world they're gonna be people who don't like peaches right And that's okay. It doesn't mean I need to force them to like peaches or feel, you know, offended that they don't like peaches. Yeah. Because some people don't like the fuzz on the peach. Yeah. That's disgusting. Yeah. Like, I get it. (laughs) And I just need to get over it. Mm -hmm. Because like, that's not how the world works. And if someone doesn't want to be my friend, why would I want to force that? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing you had just said is that being a good friend and fostering the relationships is hard. Yeah. And I just saw something and I'll try to find the link, but it talks about things don't get easier. What happens is you practice and you become better at them and then you can do hard things better. Mm -hmm. And then inevitably there will be another challenge that's put in front of you. And you're like, well, God damn, this is hard. I thought I was past hard. Mm -hmm. Well, what happens is you become better at doing things hard yeah so because I tend to want to leave folks with practical tips you know I I just want to suggest that it's gonna feel super weird when you reach out to someone like yeah when you what you were saying yeah hey this is weird but yeah and it's gonna be really hard when they don't say something back or when they say sure and then ghost you and then you're gonna think well they think I'm a weirdo blah 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 yeah but you know what? I want to find my weirdos. Yes. Yes. And I don't think she would be offended if she's watching this. Like, we're weird. Me and her are both weird as shit. And that's yes. why we get along so well. And 
when you were talking, the thing that made me think like the, you get better at doing hard things. Therefore you're le- like, I think of it as like a video a game. Level up. Yeah. You're leveling mm-hmm. up. So the level's going to be harder, but you're going to then rise to that challenge and yes. continue to get better. Yes. And the other part of that is relationships are not 50, 50. They are 100, 100. Yes. And sometimes that means I am a hundred and they are zero. Like that just happens with friendships. And right. there is a difference between someone being a flake or not showing up for you and being a good friend and someone who's struggling and mm-hmm. they're having issues and they're talking to you about it. Right. That's very, very, very different. Because don't you find in your group of women inevitably there's a a waxy and a waning like if there's a group of four of you that are together you go into that thinking I can't wait to go to dinner I've got this thing I need to throw out on the table and inevitably someone's like beat you to the throw yes yeah okay well now is my time to sit in this with her show up and be a friend to her yeah yeah this isn't the time to have this dumping ground venting yeah um, and maybe it is but later you know, and I've got friends that will, turns. yeah, they will do that. And they'll be like, I'm sorry about talking about that for so long. What's going on with you? Right. I have a lot of people like that in my life. Yep. And, and I try to do that with people. Like if I'm bitching about something, yeah, I hope yeah, yeah. that I then turn it around and say enough about me or I'm annoyed with myself now. Like, <laughs> right. And the hard things that you're identifying there that I'm suggesting people try is, What if you didn't automatically offer up your hard thing when person A has offered theirs? Yes. And the second hard thing is when you have vented about your hard thing because you got there first, Uh then what would it be like for you to say, "Uh, I've gotten all that out. I feel like I'm sucking the air out of the room. I want to hear what you guys have to say. Yeah. And now... The challenge, too, is are you doing that because you don't want to hear the hard responses your friends might offer Mm. and you're deflecting? Because sometimes I I do that, too. I found myself in work situations last week where I just was starting to feel super uncomfortable. And I was, again, my Susie Liker personality asking everybody (laughs) about themselves because I didn't want anyone to ask me about me. Mm. And I don't know what that's about other than there was alcohol at play and I was really mm. just getting uncomfortable. And you don't really as, know these people. It, exactly. Yeah. So I was deflecting instead of just saying, um, instead of sharing about myself. Yeah. And I think that's a healthy coping mechanism. Which Let part? me just say what you were doing. You... Asking about them versus talking about yourself. Uh I catch myself doing that too. And, you know, like always, there's a gray area that we could be in and you have to be present with yourself to know, is this healthy and is this a better coping mechanism than me picking up a drink? And if it is, then I'll get over it. You know, like, yeah, which is the worst thing yeah, in this yeah, ladder. Exactly. Yeah, yeah like, you're right. Is this me truly deflecting because I have a really hard thing that I don't want to talk about? Or is this, I don't know these fucking people. And I don't really feel like sharing all the deep emotional stuff I'm going through yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. In, in part, it was a little bit of both. Yeah. I'll yeah, just yeah. say that because the details <laughs> don't matter. But the idea of if, If women listening to this are in recovery and not connecting with other women, 
there is time and, and there is connection out there that I, that I hope you will find. And if you haven't found that where you are, yeah. please reach out to us personally and, and we'll link all that. But those women listening that are not in a recovery program, there are ways to do this with your friend groups. And if it's a whiff, you know, you swing and you miss, yeah. then finding new friend groups is what I want yeah. them to get out of this. And that's okay. And I want to stress that. To people like you can find new friend groups. And I see like I didn't have this issue because I had alienated everyone around me. I had no old friends to speak of. But I see people come in and they're still hanging out with the people they used to get wasted every day with. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, are they really your friends? Like maybe they are. And that's mm-hmm. like I, that's not for me to figure out. Like that's for right. you to figure out. But I would I would caution you or from personal experience and like seeing people deal with this I would really look at what the dynamic of this friendship is that's nailing it on the head yeah what what is how what are you you giving up to get back yes yeah and like is it a hundred a hundred or not yes not all the time because we can't be a hundred a hundred all the time but like do you feel like this is a balanced friendship yeah well like you said are you the one always reaching out and organizing the get-togethers Are you the one that always initiates the gift giving? Yeah. Um, Are you the one that is always hosting when you don't want to host? Yeah. And there's, you know, there's some friendship dynamics I have where like that is my role because I know they they, that's just not in their bandwidth. Like uh, just not talking about women. I think our relationship would be like that. You would have me for dinner a zillion times before I would host you for dinner because that's not my jam. I get that. Yeah. Like you cook utilitarianly peanut butter you and jelly cook. Okay. you do cook okay, okay. you're right you i was do trying to make cook. a joke because i'm uncomfortable go you ahead you do cook go ahead but yeah it's sometimes that's in your wheelhouse and it's not in someone else's yes. and that is okay however it's the reciprocation in terms of like feeling uh them expressing gratitude or them just showing up, period. Because, again, I'm a magnet for that, and I don't know why. Like, God's teaching me really something. really fascinating. It just happens to me over and over and over again. And I love mm. that you, and this is the first time you didn't do it, and I was, like, so shocked. Yeah. You will text me the night before and be like, are we still on at such and such a time? Mm-hmm. And I do that to everyone now because I've been ghosted. Or like, oh, I totally forgot, and I'm sitting at the coffee shop like, yeah. I I have made time for you in my day. I have respected your time by showing up early, mm-hmm. which is me respecting my time. But, and now I'm just saying like, oh, I'll be there in 15. I'm like, well, I can't do that. Right. Like, I want you to have, you know, I want us to be able to spend time together without me thinking about when I need to leave. And that's why I scheduled it for this time. I feel like this is going to make this meeting not great. And I'm not a superficial person. So let's reschedule this when we can like chill. Right. Or like, hey, I can't do this. I got bread rising. Come over to my house. Instead, I'll make you a latte. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, that's what I want. And I, again, like I keep thinking about this specific friend. Like we are very open about that. I will say I don't have the bandwidth to be in public today. Right. Like I'm already went to the grocery store. I already went to the post office. I can't, I'm done. Like you can come over here. I'll go over there. Like we're not doing this. And she's the same way. And you know, it, that is what I am looking for. And that's what I've realized. Like 
is a true friendship for me mm-hmm. is being able to say to the other person, not, oh, I forgot I had this thing like, yeah, sometimes that happens. Or yeah, sometimes your dog or your child is sick. Like that happens. Sure. But when it's every single time, that means that you just are dealing with something and you can't hang out for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. but you're not willing to be vulnerable enough to talk to me about that. Or you don't have the verbiage to, or you feel like I'm going to judge you for it or whatever. I would much rather someone be like, hey, I'm sorry this is so last minute, but mentally I just cannot do this today. And I would be like, dude, totally understand. But you telling me that your your kid is sick for the 15th time in two weeks, like, right? come on. Come on. Yeah. Like, let's be real here. Yeah. Or just saying, I don't know. I'm just one of those people that's always late. Ugh. I, I'm physically ill when you just said that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. And like. And that's fine. But I'm just one of be. those. That I'm just one of those people that that's not okay for. Yeah. And. What I will say is, like, that's fine, but my cutoff is 15 minutes, and then I'm out of here. Yeah. Like, just so you know that about me. Like, yeah, you, that is okay, and you don't need to change for me, but here is my boundary on the opposite end of that. Like, I, I have shit to do. Like, I respect your time. I respect that in return. And if you are always late, like, let me know to schedule things earlier. Well, not even that, because even if what I have scheduled is to leave the coffee shop to go do nothing, that needs to be okay. Uh, yeah. Why should it be okay for me to wait for 15 minutes, but for you? We're super off topic. No, I think this is part of it. I do think this is part of it because this, what this are you is an awareness. Yeah. yeah, yeah this you're is right. an awareness I never had before. Yes. I could ne- I would just be pissed at them. I would never be able, because again, surface level friendships, I could never have yes. that conversation like, hey, I know you're always late and that's fine, but I have go to ahead leave. And bring a book. Yeah. Like I have mm-hmm. to leave at a certain time and like, you're still chill to come, but I got to go at this time. And if you've only been here yeah. for two minutes, then I love you and we'll make plans again for a different day. Like, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, you know, sure. I just quit reaching out to people that do that to me. Mm-hmm. If it's a habitual thing. Again, I'm not faulting anyone for being late, especially when they are, again, the kind of people who I glob onto that text me and say, hey, I'm running five minutes behind. I'm so sorry. There's traffic <laughs> or I left the house and everything's crazy or my kid threw up on me or whatever. Mm-hmm. Totally chill. But if you just yeah. show up 15 minutes late, because, again, that's what I'm the magnet for. Yeah. Or you just don't show up at all that is baffling i'm just like dude what the fuck (laughs) what have i done to i mean i know what i've done to deserve this but like i i thought i was past this like i've been you know making amends and living amends for a while Mm -hmm. like god can we be finished here there's something i'm supposed to learn that i haven't learned yet and i can't figure out what it is so it's just gonna keep happening (laughs) well let's start to wrap up with that thought that doing the same thing over and over again yeah um Expecting different results is, is insanity. insanity. Yep. <laughs> so if there are, are women out there that are listening and want something different in their friendship lives. Yeah. Um, do something do different. Do something different. Pick a different person. And it's, again, like you said, it's going to be awkward. It's going to be weird. Making friends is hard. And it's going to be surface level for a while. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be odd i mean if you're us some people right. might be chill with that they're listening i don't know i can't it's gonna understand be awkward that. And weird but we're awkward and weird yeah right up our alley. yeah why not and i'll just say to people like hey i'm sorry i'm awkward and weird 
Like, yes. but that's just who I am. And I want to start a friendship like that. Like, that's how I want to start all my friendships. Yes. And that's where I think, you know, to bring it back to our topic is that the point that I'm trying to get across is my relationship with women in recovery, like fast forwarded past the surface straight to the awkward and weird. Yeah. Because there is nothing more awkward and weird than what you talk to another alcoholic about. Yes. Oh, my God. But also there's nothing more fulfilling and yeah freeing and joy bringing yes. at the same time yep like it's the nasty and the beautiful like all together yeah yeah oh, that's beautiful but I think everybody I think that is what friendship is I think yep. being in recovery just kind of throws that into the next dimension but yeah if that's not how you feel in your friendships like that's okay but maybe you need to find somebody you can feel that way with, because I do feel like that's so different. And my life is so different. Yes, because I the the things I can't hold at the same time is when, when I hear from women that they're lonely and they're not willing to get into this awkward. Yes. Spot. And I think I was in that place for a while. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so learn from the lessons that you and I have learned to fast forward past the feelings of awkward. Yeah. Dig in it with these women. And yes they'll dig it find women that will dig in it with you and you dig in it with them yeah and just like like I said I reached out to someone on Instagram <laughs> I mean they live in Greensboro but yeah or if you see someone and you like her earrings and you think she looks cool tell her that yeah like, I do that all the time I don't yeah. care like yeah. if you want to think I'm weird yeah like tell a woman she looks beautiful I was at Harris Teeter a couple of weeks ago and I'm on the phone with someone I'm walking in and I see this woman walking out and I was like, oh, my God, she is so beautiful. And she looks great. And she looks like she's mm. feeling herself. And I need to tell her that she is right. Yeah. So I said, hey, hold on a second. And I said, you look beautiful. <laughs> and she said, you look beautiful, too. Thank you. Aww. Like, we need more of that in the world. Yeah. And I stopped myself from doing that nine times out of ten. Because I'm like, this is weird. That's not what humans do. Yep. It's what I do. Yep. I'm a human, mostly. Are we? Like, uh, <laughs> that's a good place to, end. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Just do, do the things and put yourself out there. And like being vulnerable is not the worst thing in the world. Mm -hmm. It feels that way, but yeah. it's not. Yeah. So I'm going to let that uh, being vulnerable transition into my moment of joy. Yes. Um, because I think that uh, I am superwoman. And I'm really tired from traveling and being back, but I've taken tomorrow as a vacation day. Fuck yeah. And I thought, wow, well, I'm wasting a vacation day because we're not going anywhere. We're not doing this. We're not doing yeah. that. Mm, I've got a couple things I'm doing that are, bring, bring, that are going to bring me so much joy. The anticipatory joy of what I know. I'm taking care of myself by taking the day off of work and planning a couple things I know are going to be super fun. Yeah. And I've also planned to not do some things because I know they will be too much. Yeah. I'm canceling a fun activity because I'm doing two fun things. I can't do three. That's just who I am. <laughs> I get you. That's yeah. just who I am. And um, it feels weird, but I also know that that there's growth in that yeah. feeling weird. I, so, yeah. That's amazing. I, yeah. Ditto. Like, I have... I have nothing concrete, like I have no uh, responsibilities that are tied to other people. Mm. 
tomorrow and Saturday. Beautiful. What a Sabbath. Dude. And that's that's the thing. Like, I'm coming back to that and see previous episodes where I was overscheduling myself and not mm-hmm. doing the work that I need to do at home because I work in my home. And when I'm not here, I'm not doing my job. I realized that I've kind of let my Sabbath slip. Right. And that's not okay for me. Um, not because I think God's going to hate me, but because it's not okay for my mental health or my connection with my higher power. Right. It's not, I can't, I have to have that time and it has to remain sacred. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't. And that's not cool. Right. That's not cool. So I have, you know, I think we might go look at granite on Friday mm. for the house, but like, mm-hmm. that's awesome. And I'm spending time with my partner. Which that's the other issue I was having. I'm scheduling so much stuff, right. but he's getting left by the wayside. And then Saturday, nothing. I'm not Beautiful. doing anything. But yeah, I think that's so important. Yeah. Rest is so important. We could do a whole episode on rest, Sabbath, Shabbat, all of that. Because mm-hmm. it's just, that's a big deal. Yep. Yeah. Love it. Well, this is definitely one of those episodes that I think sharing it with someone could be that um, entryway to some of that awkwardness. Um, We want to grow this podcast. If every one of our listeners just shared it with someone they know, yeah, that would be fantastic. That'd be doubling. Yeah. Do you have a calculator over there? No, absolutely not. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's the best fast fast math I've ever done. (laughs) Because what a better segue to a new friend to be like, this is super awkward, but... Listen to how they found friends. Yes. I thought this might resonate. And do we have coffee after we get a chance? Yes. Let's talk about this. Too awkward to be like, do you want to listen to this together so I can look at you while you listen? (laughs) That might be, I mean, or not. Who knows? It might be those people. I am not that person. (laughs) Um, But I will have coffee with you after you listen to a podcast and we break it down. But anyway, share this episode with someone as that launch to a new friendship, to that level of awkward. Yeah. Um, or reach out to us for that level of awkward. Yeah. I am on Instagram at sustainable underscore Sue. Yes. And I'm at Janae PV. And if you want to see a video version of this, if you're not already watching, it's youtube.com slash at conscious contact podcast. Link is below if you're listening so that you can hop on over there and be able to see us. You can see my Peggy Bundy leggings. See previous episode. Uh, But yeah, I'm excited to be here. That was a wonderful episode. Thank you, friend. Thank you. Bye. Bye.